Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to follow the link in the description after today's episode for more information about today's article and to claim CME credit. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Jerry is here for a follow-up after recently being diagnosed with hypertension. He says he's a bit nervous. He feels stressed. He's recently retired. He's a widower. And he just turned 67, the same age his father developed dementia. Am I going to have dementia too, he asks? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me this morning is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the Tan Ching-Fen Graduate School of Nursing at the UMass Chan Medical School. Hi, Jill. Good morning, Frank. I'm always worried I'm losing my memory. This is like a common theme in my life, and and I, I feel for Jerry, although I'm not quite there with his age. Can you tell us a little bit about stress and anxiety? He sounds a little bit stressed and how it might influence his future, especially around cognition. Yes. And, you know, some of our listeners might, you know, say, geez, I have a lot of patients like this of various ages. So what we what we know about sp- stress, specifically perceived stress, that we know that 10 to 25 percent reduction in a modifiable risk factor such as stress or perceived stress, including behavioral factors, could prevent 1.3 million cases of Alzheimer's disease globally. And, you know, what is stress, perceived stress? I think everybody can identify stress in their life. Um, I'm a person that, you know, stress kind of keeps me on top of things. But perceived stress is defined as a consequence of events or demands that exceed an individual's professed ability to cope. You know, they perceive it. They say, I don't know if I can deal with it. And hence, we have stress. So, and we know a lot about stress, that it has um, long-term physiological and psychological consequences. And we know that it's linked as a modifiable risk factor for mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease, exactly what Jerry's worried about. And we know that 70% of adults in the U.S. say they feel stress every day. Now, this was, you know, analyzed in 2021, 2022. Can we say the word COVID? I don't know how much that, that played into it. But I agree with you. I cannot tell you how many times people say, oh, I'm worried I'm losing my memory. And when we do mental status tests on them, they're, they're okay. Uh, so much of it is the uh, circumstances around what they're trying to remember and feeling stress. So what are the consequences of the perceived stre- stress? Well, we know that, you know, when you have a stress response, perceived stress in adults is associated with, you know, changes in hormones and inflammatory indicators of accelerated aging, as well as excess risk of cardiovascular disease, stroke morbidity, and mortality. It's also associated with sleep problems. I mean, we've talked about sleep a lot on, you know, our podcasts, and sleep is so important to many of the processes and, you know, even the chronic disease that happens in our population. We also know it's um, associated with poor immunologic function. Studies have shown that the high prevalence of dementia in racial and ethnic minority groups, such as black populations, may be partly attributable to high levels of stress associated 
associated with low socioeconomic status and discrimination over a lifetime. Um, the perceived stress, especially in racial and ethnic minority groups, can directly affect cognition, also plays a role in wor worsening of unhealthy behaviors, which is really key. And we're talking about smoking, physical inactivity, and reduced medication compliance and adherence. Absolutely. I, I see that in others. I see that in myself. All right. Well, you've alluded to the fact that stress can increase the risk of um, dementia and decrease cognition. How, how strong of that relationship is there? What do we know from the data? So what, what we know from this study, it was a large cohort study, and it was in people 45 years and older. Um, they were recruit, recruited between 2003 and 2007, and they were followed longitudinally. And how the data were collected was telephone, there was some self-administered questionnaires, an in-home examination. Um, you know, they measure, measured the stress on a Cohen perceived stress scale, which is validated. Um, and they looked at it baseline during a follow-up visit. And what they found is they had uh, pretty much um, a final sample of almost 25,000 participants, 60% of them women, median age 64. Um, and they had, you know, almost 42% of who they studied were uh, a black population. And so it was almost a 50-50 split. And um, a, a total of 6,000 participants, over almost 23% reported elevated levels of stress. And um, what that calculated out to, that this was associated with a 1.37, almost one and a half times higher odds of poor cognition when they adjusted for various variables, cardiovascular factors and depression. So what it came down to was that the findings suggested the need for regular screening and targeted interventions for stress among older adults. All right. Well, that that's that's sobering data. I actually think the the, the almost twenty three percent reported elevated levels of stress probably it feels like that's almost an underestimation. But Jerry's here. We we he's he's sixty seven. We we need to help him out. What do we do next for Jerry? Well, Jerry said a few things to us. First of all, he said he's worried. And, you know, he's got, you know, what does his family history of dementia mean to him? Like so many people in the in globally, you know, I have a mother, a father, you know, a sister, a brother uh, that, you know, had dementia at an early age or had dementia. We know that there's, you know, the increase in dementia goes in a linear fashion as we age, right? The older we get, the more the risk of dementia. So what we do for Jerry... I need a little bit more information, you know, what's, what's he doing? What's he worried about? And, you know, what exactly is being affected by his, you know, his worry? Is it his sleep? What's his lifestyle? What's changed? What has he felt he's not been able to do? And a little bit about his diet. And the other thing is major events, um, you know, has he got financial issues? Has, there's, um, you know, a life stress scale. Almost anything we do causes stress. Having a baby, uh, moving, uh, relationships, COVID, anything like that. So what is worrying him? And the second thing is, who are his supports? And does he practice any sort of self-care or ex exercise in particular? We know that physical activity can decrease stress. And we might even think about 
you know, doing a mini mental status exam on Jerry, um, you know, and then doing it when he comes in at least, you know, whatever his visits are, if it's going to be six months. And, you know, I want to know particularly about Jerry is he socializing? Because we know as people get older, their world kind of gets a little bit smaller. And we know that socialization can really help with cognition and loneliness. So, you know, there's a lot of things here. And then, you know, he's here for a hypertensive visit. And how's he doing with his meds? Is he having any side effects for them? But I know I'm talking a lot. And I want to just note, you know, note that on this podcast, I have two links, one to mindfulness apps and other things that are easy to decrease your stress. And as I go through the list, the one about stress, Frank, and I think others can, you know, uh, apply this to their life, just say no. We are classic for taking on too much. And if you just say no, sometimes it doesn't feel good and we have to practice it. But saying no when you know you can't meet the demands of what they're asking can decrease your stress. Even though it doesn't kind of feel good to you, you can feel a little guilty if you say no. But saying no is okay. And so I want to make sure Jerry has strong social ties and that, you know, I want to put him at ease that we're going to follow him. I think I think I agree. I would I, I would probably do the mental status exam or a MOCA on him. I do some labs and then do whatever I could to reassure him. But I love the thought that we all need to say no a little bit more. But you and I are terrible at that. Jill, that's great. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer. Check your patient's stress and target interventions to decrease it. Join us next time when we discuss new data on the influence of alcohol intake on all-cause mortality. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out PrimeMed.com for additional CME content.